Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning to the folks who are out there living it, living it up real big in Paris, France. Drinking your fancy French wine and having your fancy French food. Good morning. Good morning to the various folks living in Hong Kong. I don't know what it's like there. I don't know if I can trust the news I get. But it must be amazing in Hong Kong. Good morning. It is June the 12th, 2023. And it's almost 4.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Scompton, Utah. It's Monday. It's Monday. It's time to get up and polish off your personality and put on a smile and play whatever pretend games you need to play because it's Monday. You can open up your heart to the morning magic. The flowers will sing you songs of joy. It's Monday. Turn on some slow-timey 1970s easy-listening music, whatever, Bee Gees, I don't care, fuck you, Captain and Tennille, it's Monday. You're going to get into your brand new uh, Toyota Corolla, and you're going to cruise on down to Sklimpton's and have a McButt cake, and then you're going to shove the Torg juice and the Vromulac down your throat, and like a scumptious beast, you'll, you'll make your way to work. You'll get into that fucking elevator and push the button for the third floor. You could have taken the stairs. That's what Neil always says. It's Monday. And when you get to your cubicle on the third floor, you know who's waiting for you? Virginia. And she told you that there's going to be a big team meeting today and everyone has to show up and, you know, hey, how was your weekend? And you say, oh, it was okay. I went to that new water park near Grinkentown. And she smiled and said, I was at the water park. I was inscubulating myself. I was covered in drimp. I was living the life, doing old-time cocaine with old my old buddy, Petey McSimpson. What happens at the water park stays at the water park, right? You get to the team meeting and your boss has his boss there. And your boss's boss don't look none too happy, but you know, he's in a he's in a suit. It's a gray suit. The color you wear to a funeral 
you can see there's some type of crusty monctus hanging off the corner of your boss's boss lips. It, it could be bits and pieces of stringuli. It could be that cream souffle from that French restaurant your boss's boss went to because he's so special. You don't know what it is, really. And then your boss's boss says, you know, hey, Greg, can I have the floor? And Greg says, okay. And your boss's boss begins to explain business cycles and, you know, various pressures and artificial intelligence and how excited everybody is and how they're going to have to cut the workforce by 30%. And you look around the room and there's nine people in the room other than your boss and your boss's boss. And you realize that he said workforce, not salaries, so that's going to be fun. You look at who showed up last, who does the worst job, who turns in their code without a code review, who's always snarky on the emails, who's always late to the scrum. You look around the room and you look for who's going to be the person on the block. Happy Monday. First topic. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Anyone that talks about the COVID-19 unironically deserves to be ignored. Dr. Freckles. And you know, I, I don't know. I've said this in many, in so many different ways, and I'll just leave it there. It's 2023. If you're still orbiting around the idea that the COVID was kind of real, then like I said, I can dribble a basketball. I mean, there's probably some statistical model that says that because I can dribble a basketball, somehow, some way, probably involving aliens, I could end up being a professional NBA basketball player. But barring aliens and other types of calamities and major events, the likelihood that I will ever play professional NBA basketball, the real likelihood is zero. Okay? If you're still orbiting around, well, Dan, the COVID was kind of real, and it gave me the sniffles, and it killed my grandma. Well, let's separate those issues. You can get the sniffles from the cold. And if you add in military psychological warfare preying on you, you add in social media and all the fakers and all the people that were posting garbage in, you know, 2020. I remember that on Twitter. Yeah, you add in all that and the sniffles, all of a sudden, it becomes the monkey herpes. It becomes the COVID-19. So let's just drop the sniffles by the side. Okay? Get over it. As far as your grandma goes, you should hire a lawyer. If you believe in the rule of law, if you believe that this country is still going to function for another 10 years, <laughs> if you have a set of beliefs that allows you to make getting a lawyer conceivable, I would contact a lawyer. My bet is a lot of people are contacting lawyers right now because they're slowly waking up to the idea that they were fucked with. They don't know how deeply they were fucked with, but they know they were. It's kind of like what I've been saying in recent podcasts. 
you don't have to be where I'm at. You can be 33% the way to me, and you're still going to probably sign on to a class action lawsuit. And there are going to be so many class action lawsuits against every major hospital system in this country over the next couple years that if you ask me, without an act of Congress, a lot of hospitals are going to go bankrupt. That's what's coming. And it doesn't even require you to give up your, well, the COVID was kind of real and we overreacted belief system. You can hold on to that limited hangout if it makes you feel better. But whenever I hear people talk about the COVID in any form other than is totally fake, it bothers me. And, and, and one of the reasons why it bothers me is because even if the make-believe pandemic didn't kill one person, the military psychological warfare that's been ongoing since March of 2020 at a high tempo has killed a lot of people, has driven a lot of people to suicide, a lot of people to drug overdose, a lot of people to not worry about their cancer or their diabetes or their heart disease. It's driven a lot of people's businesses down the hole. A lot of, a lot of small businesses were destroyed like it was a wrecking ball. It has led to, in my opinion, one of the most significant events of child abuse in world history. Like, I'll just state it, in my opinion. It's not just the individual acts of abuse that were enabled by the COVID, enabled by the mask culture. Yeah, a lot of abuse was enabled, and I bet that spiked out. But the overall way in which adults handed the, handled the quote-unquote COVID-19, whatever you think it was, was probably the single biggest collective act of child abuse ever. And when you think about it, if you're a Christian, that should give you pause. That should really give you pause because that means there's a lot of millstones out there. A lot of millstones. A lot of people are going to have millstones around their necks. You had an opportunity as an adult human being to, to reject a lie. And then when they shoved the race war crap down your throat, you could have known to, to reject that too. And you didn't have to be suckered by any of the garbage, whether it's Trump garbage or Biden garbage, but you did. If you talk about COVID-19 in a way that you are not being sarcastic or making fun of it, I'm just going to fucking ignore you. I don't give a fuck. And as far as your grandma or your sister or, or God forbid your child goes, you need to hire a fucking lawyer if you actually believe the rule of law is still a thing. Because the answer to your question is at the end of discovery. It is when that process kicks off, because I got to tell you something, I've worked for hospitals. The leaky ship in this PSYOP was always the hospital. It always was. Okay, there was always going to be this problem. And that's why I don't think they expected, you know, any of this to last much longer than five years after 2019. And when I say any of this, I mean the parts that involve things like suing people. I don't think they ever expected to have to worry about lawsuits. You have to imagine that world. Well, Dan, that's the reset world where they could... Yeah, they had everything. They had everything. They could turn off the fucking world. What power did they desire that they did not already have? And the answer is none. So every time I hear that stupid argument, it just infuriates me. Well, they needed a little bit of extra. What extra? They had billions of people that they could take their heads and rub their heads in shit. 
What extra did they need? Next topic. Next topic, Scrombo. Okay. So, I've been peeking on Twitter still, in part because of some of the YouTube stuff and I guess I'm obstinate and still want to believe that somehow I can get my podcast out there further. I think that's kind of stupid at this point. I'm an obstinate, obstinate stupid bastard, I guess. Um, but there was this guy making this point about AR-15s. You know, that, you know, basically it's a carbine. You know, and carbines, in terms of firearms history, which means a rifle that can repeat itself, whether it's semi-automatic or requires you to take an action, a carbine in the history of, of firearms has been around for about 200 years. You know, you may not know this, but Lewis and Clark took an air rifle with them on their trip across America. I think it could, it held like 20 shots. And yeah, they had to do an action to repeat each shot, but they could probably do that pretty fast. So for all intents and purposes, if you had a bunch of those folks firing at you, you would think they were firing AR-15s, but that was like what? More than 200 years ago. That's right. A repeating air rifle that freaked out everybody because it was also very quiet compared to, you know, the big black powder muzzle loaders of the time. Yeah. But he's making a point that if there's a civil war in this country, and I just want to go on the record saying that I don't think there's going to be, I think there's going to be chaos. And if you say civil war in the context of like, let's say Beirut, 1983, or maybe Yugoslavia, uh, 1995, then yeah, we could have something that kind of looks like that, but there's going to be no blue versus gray. Um, that's a lot of sideways bullshit. And by the way, if you understand the history of what a civil war is, it, it what happened in the United States in the 1860s wasn't really technically a civil war. It was a war between two separate nations. One nation may not have wanted to recognize the other, but you had formal armies. You had more or less, you know, willingness to accept certain basic rules, although those rules were broken by all sides. Civil wars, in the historical sense, going back to Roman times, are about many groups at odds with each other. Usually there's more than two players, two teams. That's a civil war in the Roman sense. And back in Roman times, it was usually the elite. Not always, but the elite fighting each other, especially as the Republic began to fall apart. That was their civil war. If you ask me, I don't think we're going to have a civil war in this country. Um, I think we could have a lot of chaos, but it's going to be that kind of random chaos that results from people being hungry and thirsty and angry and frustrated. Um, I think we're going to have that, and I think that will mostly plague cities. But we'll see, right? The point the dude was trying to make is, well, I, you know, I'm former military or I'm current military, and full disclosure, I was in the army too, big deal. Um, the point he was making is that you're not going to be lining up in lines and fighting each other in phalanxes or whatever with your AR-15s. And I don't think he really understood what that carbine is used for. 
is not used for standing in line and pointing at people. It's basically used for, well, sniping, to be honest with you. It's always been the case. It's used for skirmish-style warfare, not phalanx-style warfare. If you've got muzzle loaders where you need to fire in rows, then yeah, you're going to fire in rows. But with a rifle like this, you can take cover. You can, you can go into camouflage. You can actually hide behind something and trade fire. And other than the, the plume of smoke, they might not know you're there. Which is fine. Fine. You know, I think that's why people are coming back on this whole gun control issue with the, but you couldn't possibly win. And I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, I'm beginning to suspect the purpose of the Ukraine war is to tear, is to tear through so much of the United States military's um, current stored resources of military small arms. Um, I think they want to basically use up a lot of it. You know, what's in that big old armory, so to speak. Um, and, and that would make sense if you think your own military at some point in the game, and it's going to happen, if I'm right, at some point in the game, there are going to be people in the military who try to mutiny in force, not just by themselves. I bet that's already been happening. And, and probably those people you don't hear about, like Tucker Carlson. Okay, you don't hear about those people. They don't get sheep dipped. <laughs> they just get, you know, killed like a sheep and dumped someplace. They don't get sheep dipped. So at some point, you're going to see a general or a colonel say, I'm putting my division on alert and I'm joining with General Karstens and we're going we're gonna to do what we said we'd do and keep our oath. Wow, right in the nick of time, General. But I think they're using the Ukraine to use up those, those resources. So we'll see. We'll see. Your AR-15, you think your AR-15 is going to save you, do you? Like it's a civil war in the 1860s and crap? You sit there in your wall-to-wall -wall carpeted condo, snorting axle dust and beating off the two live crew music. You have black light posters of Black Sabbath and talk up the good game of bunkers and hooker harems and stockpiles of Mountain Dew Code Red. Your chili cracker hideout has already been targeted by King Jusar. And the general is sending a missile your way, and you think that AR-15 is going to save you, you son of a bitch? You think that gun protects your kids? There are Mugnite scum that wander Scompton. Yes, there are mug night scum that wander Scompton and, and they hide out nearby and wait for you and your slut wife to go to sleep. They have bats and chain and lead pipes and pillowcases filled with D-cell batteries. They slunk about half naked and high on PCP and crocodile and meth. 
Their teeth are red and yellow with the still wet grizzle of some tough customer they had to take out behind the Wendy's. Your kids will be hunted as you sleep with your ambient whore, and they will be shipped to Saudi Arabia and turned into white slave catamite freaks. And your gun didn't stop those gypsies. It just made them lustier and angrier and wrathful and overwrought, huh? Your AR-15? You just bought a flamethrower. What are you going to do with that flamethrower, buddy? You think you're tough enough to take on the whole 82nd Airborne Division from Fort Benning, Georgia? With that one flamethrower shithead? Brumblebees will saunter their way to your humble abode, releasing the stench of your guns and knives and flamethrowers. Your kids and family trusted you to protect them, and you bragged and bragged about your precious flamethrower. You told Todd, your neighbor, Hey man, I got this basement of food and ammo and AR-15s, and now I got this flamethrower man. Todd's family began starving first, and Todd would come by awkwardly begging for his family, and you would politely turn him down. Sure, you stand watch with your three fifty seven Ruger Redhawk and your flamethrower nearby, but you need sleep and whiskey, don't you, buddy? Todd comes by one night when you're passed out on the couch. Todd brains you with that award you won, f won for teamwork while working at IBM. And then he ties up your wife and kids and steals your food and your ammo and your flamethrower and burns your house down. Are you sure that AR-15 is going to help you, buddy? You're being chased by Team X-Ray the most advanced United Nations special ops team. They've tracked your truck to Realm 77 Romeo and plan on dropping a mini-nuke on your position. They have shoulder-fired nukes, one kiloton yield, capable of taking out a whole city block, man. And they're coming for you. They have neutron bomb hand grenades and they're gonna shove up, that they're going to shove up your butt and then toss your ass over the cliff. And below, as you smash upon the rocks and you wait for those neutron grenades to go off, you'll see your black rifle, your AR-15 that's been chambered for 300 Winchester Meg and has that slick polymer stock. That's the last thing you're going to see, motherfucker. You think that SUV is going to save you? You and your family are huddled in some Winnebago, being driven by William Shatner. You're being chased across the desert by warlocks and witches and Satanists and Kelmo Dugs and John Travolta. And they ride hard with their feisty gaze and seek to set fire to your bitches and your blow. What you say, what? You think your off-road vehicle is gonna help you now, motherfucker? 
You gonna put her in low and power up that hill up yonder? What the fuck, dude? You are doomed. You doomed your family. All for your SUV, motherfucker. You think that pilot's license is, is enough? You think people will just be lined up or formed up in squares and phalanxes and various impostures of cubes and pyramids and triangles? You think people will be formed up into trapezoids, do you? Like your motherfucking General Sherman marching on Tokyo? You gonna load up your Cessna with Molotov cocktails and cigarette booty? You gonna ride down them feds with your propeller-driven demon. You painted it woodland loam for some reason, but it won't matter when the U.S. Marine Corps pulse cannon takes you out of the sky. You really think that AR-15 is gonna do anything? When those blue blood purple hairs come with their tech and tanks and predator drones to shove a hellfire missile up your butt and watch your neighborhood glow white hot with phosphorus bombs and belly-shaped dream winkles, what you gonna do? You think this'll be like the last time, buddy? This time they'll have Captain Avatar and his wave motion gun and you won't be able to resist the great power of the Star Force as they shove the Argo in your fat face. You feel me, pal? You think that AR-15 is gonna help you, buddy? You think your AR-15 is going to save you? You think the next civil war is going to mirror the first one where two sides just line up in a field? It's going to be drones and artillery. You won't even see what kills you. You'll die with your pristine $2,000 rifle coated in CLP. Yes, indeed, brothers and sisters. You think it's going to be like the last time, huh? Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Funny thing about inflation. It doesn't mean much if you don't have any money, Dr. Freckles. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, we're going to get into that shortly to greater depth, but I want to think of this on a personal level. Because, you know, 20-some years ago, when I was in the Army... I would pull money out of my, you know, ATM, my checking account. And as I recall, I was able to pull way more than $500 a day. Like, I think without making any phone calls, I could do up to $1,000 a day, maybe more. I think even more than that. The bottom line is, prior to the know-your-customer crap, prior to the last decade and a half of, well, really two decades of, you know, proto-fascistic sideways bullshit... 
that didn't exist. That limit didn't exist. And then all of a sudden, in the last couple decades, a lot of banks have been doing this thing, and I think it's probably regulation. You can't withdraw more than 500 bucks a day. So the thing about people talking about inflation, fine, it's real. But for ordinary people, they're still stuck at how much money they can get a hold of. And if they don't have any money, here's, here's another way of looking at it. If, if that bag of rice costs 40 bucks, or that bag of rice costs 100 bucks, if you got zero bucks, there's only one discount you're gonna get, and, and that involves, you know, Bonnie and Clyde shit. Okay, that's your discount. But if you're not gonna go all Bonnie and Clyde, it doesn't matter what the price of that bag of rice is. I've been to the, the grocery store here in town over the last year, and sure, prices have gone up, and in some cases, they've come back down again. But what seems consistent is that just, there's just not people to buy anything. Okay, there, nobody has any money. Real, ordinary people don't have any cash. So if you tell me it costs this much or that much, from the perspective of most of the people I know, we're just as poor today as we were a few years ago, and we're rapidly reaching a point where we're either going to not have any money to buy anything, or there's simply not going to be anything to buy. You know, who knows when, when that'll happen, right? So has there been inflation? Well, in the Austrian sense, absolutely. I mean, in the sense of printed money, there's been shitloads of inflation. I don't think we remotely understand how much notional value in terms of U.S. dollars is floating out there. I mean, if you add in derivatives products, I've heard the notional quote-unquote value to be in the multiples of quadrillions. Quadrillions, you know. So who knows? Who knows how much money, quote-unquote, is floating around? But what I can tell you is for all those quadrillions of bullshit money, most of the people I know don't have any. So what does that mean? Well, that brings us to our next topic, which, which is basically the title of the podcast. Um, and I kind of call it tantric hyperinflation or, or slow sterity. It depending upon how you want to look at it. It's either some kind of weird austerity or it's tantric hyperinflation. And, you know, with Tantra, you're holding off on having sex. You're not going to shoot your wad. You're going to hold off on your wad. Yeah, you're going to get her excited, but then you're going to cool her off. And then after, what, 6, 12, 17 days, you blow your load. And that's all at once, baby. There's nothing tantric about that. When you blow your load, it's gone. It's shot. You know, it's your cream pie. It's done. I, I believe on a certain level, you could argue since the year 1972, more or less, 71, 72, when Nixon closed the gold window, you could argue that U.S. monetary policy has amounted to tantric and tantric hyperinflation. Sure, they're going to print money. They're going to print a fuckload of money. It's just that they're, they're going to wait on blowing their load. And, and how do you do that exactly? Well, number one, you can't really do that in a free market. So if you think you have a free economy, a free enterprise, 
you're a fool or you should stop listening because this doesn't apply to you. I don't believe, I don't believe we have free markets. I often refer to this as neo-Stalinism, except for instead of having the Sears catalog that your comrades steal to price shit in the 1950s, you have one thing you manage, and that's the value of work. That's what the Federal Reserve does. They manage the price of one thing. How much is your effort worth? And that dial has been turning down and down and down since 1972. Okay, Your value relative to what you used to be able to get has been getting less and less and less for most of you. Like I would say 8 out of 10 of you, most of us. And you can say, well, Dan, that's just because of the IQ scores. Who knows? Who knows, right? You want to claim it's that? I've met a lot of rich people who are dumb as fuck. So if you want to tell me that the fact that somebody's rich is because of that book, The Bell Curve, fine. I think that's probably bullshit, but if it makes you feel better. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. The hyperinflation already happened. The wheelbarrow was your home, Dr. Freckles. What does that mean? Well, you know, during the Weimar days where they would say it took a wheelbarrow <laughs> of cash to go buy a loaf of bread. How can I put this? When the strategy of tantric hyperinflation fails, okay, when it does fail and it's going to fail, you're not going to get much warning. And even if on paper your home's value keeps going up and up and up and up and up, it won't matter. It won't matter. It'll be irrelevant. You won't be able to turn it into cash. No ATMs will probably have any cash left at that point. You're going to be done. Okay? Period. The wheelbarrow full of money that you needed to buy a loaf of bread is your home. You've been doing it with home equity loans, I don't know, for the last decade or so. And they keep telling you, well, because of, of its value, its value. Well, we'll see. Here's a theory. That the United States and much of the developed world has already experienced the hyperinflation phase of monetary collapse. But because the U.S. economy is a planned economy at this point, the money was directed towards mechanisms that impacted expected value without, without resulting in the expected increase in money velocity or consumer prices or spending. Simply put, the Federal Reserve discovered a set of money dumps that allowed them to forestall the inevitable. But the inevitable is still coming. And in my opinion, the Great Depression is going to look like a soft landing compared to what's coming. That's, that, that's a happy story. If we're only worse than the Great Depression by a bit, that's still better news than what I expect. I'm going to read you an article. This comes from Redfin. So understand this is a website that is deeply invested in the home pyramid economy. Here's a headline. U.S. homeowners have lost $2.3 trillion in value since June peak. This was written by Lily Katz and Chen Zhao and published on February the 22nd, 2023. The total value of U.S. homes was $45.3 trillion at the end of 2022, down 4.9% or $2.3 trillion from a record high of $47 trillion in June. That's the largest June to December drop in percentage terms since 2008. 
While the total value of U.S. homes was up 6.5% from a year earlier in December, that's the smallest year-over-year increase during any month since August 2020. This is according to an analysis of Redfin estimates on more than 99 million U.S. residential properties. And, and I'm, I'm not going to read much more of this. The, the number I want to highlight is the number from 2022 for the total value of U.S. homes, 45.3 trillion. I believe the GDP in 2022 was roughly 23 trillion and change. So basically, the current value of all the homes in the United States, if you just asked if somebody wanted to buy them all, if you really could, is about twice the GDP. Now you could say, well, that's normal, that's normal, but it gets kind of worse. If you're conservative and just apply a 10 times derivative product valuation on top of the present home value, you're looking at a quarter of a quadrillion dollars, okay? Almost $250 trillion. And honestly, folks, I think the number's worse. I think it's probably closer to a quadrillion in derivatives overhang that sits on top of the quote unquote 45 trillion and change of home value in the US. Who do you think has that money? You can say, well, someone's going to come and buy it. It's going to be BlackRock. Uh, someone's going to come, come and buy it. It'll be the treasury. Someone will buy it, Dan. But my question is, if you enter the real world right now and you said to yourself, you need to sell your home, who's going to buy it? I bet somebody still will. I mean, the reason why is that we're not past the greater full period. And remember, this is tantric hyperinflation. This is a kind of slow process at first. You don't shoot your load until the end. And then like a podcast I did two years ago, you have your one week crack up boom. That's you blowing your load. Ten times value gets you to a quarter of a quadrillion on just the homes alone. But what if the real number is 100? I mean, my point is, brothers and sisters, is that this is just one piece of the scheme, one of the money dumps. And I got to tell you, it's been one of the money dumps. It's one of the places where the Fed has put their money. They know people are going to treat their homes like retirements. So they're, yeah, they'll take out home equity loans, but they, but mostly they won't take out too many, we hope. Because once you take out a home equity loan, this is the problem for the Fed, is that frozen money becomes unfrozen. This is the thing, too, is that Jerome Powell stuck. Um, and I've often referred to this as him being between caught between a bear and a tiger. Jerome has to chase the tiger, and the tiger's called inflation. He has to. Because if inflation gets out of control this whole game ends. And Jerome has to run from the bear because the bear is deflation. And if the bear gets out of control, this game comes to an end. Okay, this whole thing just, it, there's, there's no warning. It, it pretty much is on life support right now. It, it'd be more or less like pulling the plug. It's over. I've sometimes compared what's coming, regardless of the path, the bear or the tiger, to a Pontiac GTO going 130 miles per hour hitting the side of a mountain. That's your soft landing. That's what you can expect. It's going to be that bad.
But there were also some other money pits, you know, money pits, places that drop money, places to essentially freeze it in carbonite. There have been all the wars since 9-11, all the wars. Wars are a great place to dump money, to just kind of go almost nowhere. Yeah, it'll find its way back into the consumer world, but for the most part, it'll take a circuitous path before it gets there. So the military, industrial complex, the wars, it's a great place to hide money if you're the Fed. China. China's been an inflation dump probably since the mid-80s. It's been a place for us to take a lot of consumer inflation and just dump it. China's been great. Cryptos have been basically been a Keynesian make-work project for the last decade plus. They've had people spend lots of money on processors. That's good news. They had lots of people spend money on services and technology. That's good news. And you have money going into a giant money dump, really a shredder, that's, that's probably never going to leave. In fact, the crypto scenario was one of the more brilliant moves of, of the central banks, convincing a lot of geeks that their only way out was to essentially build a giant money shredder that the Fed and the EU and China and everybody could simply dump money into. It, it was kind of brilliant. I mean, basically a giant money shredder, but that's going to end one day too. Stock buybacks, another way they've been squirreling away that hyperinflated cash. Healthcare, economy, education. And, and this is just a short list, but, but I'd say of all the items on the list, I'd say that the quote-unquote home economy, the economy of flipping homes, I think that one consumed a lot of printed money. And so in terms of the wave of hyperinflation, I would argue on, a, on, on one level, the monetary level, that wave already hit. That, that that's not even a thing at this point. There's already a lot of bogus money out there. That is already a thing. It may not be printed, and guess what? Poor people may not have access to it, but there's a ton of notional value out there that's probably bogus. And like with the tantric sexual routine, you're not going to know until the dude blows his load, and yeah, it's going to be spunky. This is not like Weimar, where you just print a bunch of money and kind of just almost hand it out. This is targeted money printing, okay? Targeted, which means certain people got the money and other people were told to fuck off. That's what it is, bottom line. It's kind of like listening to all the people complain about student loan forgiveness. If you own a home in the United States of America, there was a massive wave of forgiveness that occurred between 2008 and 2012. A massive wave of money printing that essentially saved the value of your bullshit. If you're a homeowner in this country, well, I paid for my home with cash. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If you look at your home and say to yourself, I think it's worth a million bucks and it's probably only worth 100K, then you are also part of the fucking problem and you need to shut the fuck up about student loans. You really do. The bogus home economy, the Fannie Freddie bullshit, the magical money printing reservoir um, dwarfs all of that student loan bullshit that you get so wrapped up about. It dwarfs it. The reason why it pisses you off is because you know your, your shit stinks worse. 
if you're one of these house flipping, we can all make money flipping houses, Dan. We can all become rich on our homes. You know, food, water, shelter. Why don't you do it with water and food next? Oh boy, that's coming. In fact, maybe, yeah. Welcome to 2023. And I just want to go over the implications of this again. Number one, Jerome, as I said, he's running from a bear called deflation. He's chase, chasing a tiger called inflation. This is impossible long term. Like short term, he can do this nonsense. He can do it. He can slowly tick up the rates. Oh, damn, these have been radical. These have not been radical rate increases. These have been rate increases that barely keep up with the rate of inflation itself and its increase, but it doesn't keep up with inflation. He's barely kept up with the rate of increase in inflation. That's my opinion. And he knows he can't do better than that. He knows that if he pulled the Volcker, if he decided to chase down that tiger and stab it to death, that a big old hungry bear would come along and eat him and the tiger. And he knows that if he prints money again, and this is probably coming, this is gonna be the crescendo, okay? We are in the, in the intermission, but I will say this, I do think it's possible that they switch the pipes on at the end. And I mean the last few months before everything falls apart. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if you really do see helicopter money. Folks, 3,000 bucks for poor people in the United States of Boblimpdoc in 2023 doesn't go long. And when I say poor people, I mean house poor people. I mean people that are basically living off their paychecks. Getting three grand uh, in April of 2020 Boblimpdoc was a blip, a fucking blip. Okay, that's not the money that is going to cause the problems long-term. But I will say, do I think real helicopter money is coming? Absolutely. The, the plan, in my opinion, was never about the economics. So, that's not entirely true. Up until December of 2020, maybe January 2021, I would have said they are simply managing the collapse of the US dollar, they're, they're, or rather just another banking crisis and a potential collapse of the dollar. At the end of 2022, I was kind of just throwing that away too. I, I think we're beyond that now. Um, the regime, and this is the second point, what they've implemented since March of 2020 on a global scale works a lot like austerity. And so, and that's why I call it slow austerity. But the thing is, it's not exactly like austerity. It definitely is not austerity in terms of maintaining people's perception that, for example, their home is going to be their retirement. If they get depressed, if they get sad, if they get laid off, they can stare at their home and say, well, at least I got a million bucks right. Austerity works by limiting the amount of capital and printed money available to the population at large. It, it works and it, and it controls inflation that way. It leads to, you know, usually a kind of collapse. You could call it a managed collapse. I remember reading stories about Greece 10 years ago and it sounded like things were pretty bad, but I, I, I can't verify that. It's like the stories that come out of Australia. I can't really verify whether they're true or false. That's it. Um, third point. And I've said this already, but I just want to reiterate these points. When the hyperinflation hits, in my opinion, when the actual massive increases in prices hit, it's not going to be a months-long affair. 
Um, two years ago, I, I referred to this period of time when it hits as the one week crack up boom. It doesn't mean it'll last only a week, but it's not gonna be months of it. I, I think you're gonna experience perhaps a few weeks of it, and then it's just gonna be over. Um, the GTO hits the side of the mountain, the engine explodes, that's it. Jer that's why, you know, again, brothers and sisters, that's why even though Jerome might take, you know, might end up taking the foot off the brakes at some point, I wouldn't interpret that as an optimistic thing. I think that means we're almost at the end and it doesn't fucking matter. Fourth point. And this again, I'm just reiterating a point I've said already. Your home, the home you have that you live in, that you think is worth a million bucks, was always the wheelbarrow. It was always the wheelbarrow full of printed cash that you would need to buy a loaf of bread. If you live in a city, you need to meditate on what I just said. It was always going to be that, which means it's really just pixie dust. At some point, the real value will in fact emerge. And if you live in a place where you are hundreds or thousands of miles from the sources of food you consume or could realistically consume given the number of people that live in your city, then yeah, your home is worth that much. You, and like I said, you'll get, you're going to get very little warning. That's the next point. Point five, you're not going to get much warning. The inflation will creep. I think it will go through ups and downs. But up until the end, it will keep creeping. Because he can't not run from the bear. He has to, Jerome Powell and all these central bankers have to do two things that are impossible to do at the same time because eventually something goes wrong. He has to run from the bear too. He has to chase the tiger, but he has to run from the bear. So this means he does have to let inflation creep. He, just, he does have to let the tiger win, so to speak. The tiger has to stay ahead. The bear has to stay behind. That's monetary policy in the United States since 1972, Bo Blimtock. Don't expect a signal or any type of message from anybody telling you it's time to sell your home. The, the horrible outcomes I've described in terms of hitting the cliff or the side of the mountain, that could be next week. That could be two weeks from now. It could, it could start tomorrow. If you're expecting somebody to tell you when you should sell your home, I, I'm, I'll say this. If you live in a city, you should try to sell your home now and get to some place where you can have a piece of land right now. Okay, if you're waiting for someone to do that. But I was telling people this in 2015 when I said, I think, it's, I think the start of things is about five years away, you know, 2020. So if you want somebody to tell you magically when the plates will stop spinning, Jerome Powell doesn't know that. He doesn't know. They'll know when they know. It's why, you know, good old Jerome, he has a, a helicopter. He, he nicknamed Soft Landing. It's on hot standby. It's a short jaunt away, and he'll fly away in his helicopter, and that will be your signal to sell, right? No. That'll be your signal it's too fucking late. My final point that I wanted to just sort of go over in terms of implications is that when I realized it could be worse than just economics, just the collapse of the dollar, and this was about a year ago when I really suspected it could be worse. I, I thought it might be, 
now I suspect it probably is, it really does make what Jerome Powell's doing make sense. This tantric hyperinflation makes a lot of sense. Sure, it guarantees you're not going to get a soft landing. If you're, it's going to be a recession, it's going to be stagflation, we're going to drift off into the sunset in some emungulation of everybody having a house worth 40 million bucks and, you know, maybe 50 million homeless people, but we'll, we'll feed them the cats and it, it'll be fine. I mean, you know, okay. Um, if in fact they understood at some point in the future, the music would stop. And when I say stop, I mean probably at this point what I've referred to as a 500-year event, an event so big that even though it might not end history in any way, it definitely will put a dent in it, kind of like the 14th century crisis. Okay? Um, if they expected something like that to occur within a five-year period, then during that five-year period, you probably do want to keep people, A, kind of fucked up, which means unable to reason about what's really going on, and B, you want to control the spending. You don't want things to get out of control. You kind of want to keep things on tap, but you also have to convince the long-term people that it's all going to be okay. So if you can make their stock market go up, fine. There's no calories in a stock market. If you make their home price go up, that's really good. You ain't going to get any protein from your home. Go ahead and nibble on that concrete. You know, there are so many make-believe ways, notional ways, that they can convince people everything's okay as people are slowly approaching the point where they're, yeah, they're going to face a famine. And it will be one day there was food at the grocery store and probably the next day there's not. Have you, have you even looked at how these grocery stores operate now? Okay, if you actually had a flood of helicopter money, what would happen to food prices overnight? I mean, almost overnight they would double. So if you're thinking about, well, Dan, what if Powell stops, you know, what if he, he stops raising rates or even, you know, lowers rates? Or what if Powell, you know, does the quantitative, if he does anything that looks like quantitative easing, and they do helicopter money, and I don't mean the bogus one-offs they've been doing the last 30, 40 years, I mean actual helicopter money, then yeah, you're going to see some crazy-ass inflation. And I would tell you, you're weeks away from it all being over at that point. Weeks away. Not months, not years. Then we're going to see the rise of Hitler. Already saw that. This is not Germany, 1933, Boblimpdok. This is Berlin, April. 1945. Okay, that music you hear in the distance, that's not zippity doo dah. That's Wagner's, you know, Gatterdammerung from the Ring series. <laughs> okay, does that help? Um, so, yeah, I call it tantric hyperinflation. And so when people say, when is the hyperinflation going to happen? Well, I, I think they've managed to squeeze it and stretch it. I think they've managed to figure out a way to hide it for a while. And then when, when the actual you know, veil is removed, when people see what the fuck's going on, you know, in some ways it doesn't even matter at that point if they do helicopter money. When people begin to suspect 
that this is what it is, they're going to sell their homes. They're going to they're going to swarm to sell their homes. They're going to try to get real value. They're going to move out to places where they can theoretically raise food. And this is going to happen, yeah, kind of like have you ever seen Black Friday? You know, if you're going to tell me, Dan, people will be tell me about the rational motherfuckers. Have you ever seen Black Friday? And by the way, a lot of the people I know who participate in Black Friday, they're not really, they're not just renters. They're homeowners. They're people that have equity in their home. Have you ever seen Black Friday? Have you seen what's happened to civic society? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's going to be like, uh, it's a wonderful life? And, and Jimmy Stewart's going to show up and say, well, but the value's in his home. No, no. They're going to stone Jimmy Stewart to death period, along with Mr. Potter. And they're simply going to try to sell their home as fast as they can. And it won't just be them. It'll be them and millions of their best friends. The part of this that's going to look like Weimar, in my opinion, will last weeks, not months. Weeks. And then it's over. Then the GTO hits the mountain and you tell me what happens next. I, I kind of think it's going to be pretty bad best case scenario. I mean, if you want to hold on to a glimmer of hope and say, well, Dan, didn't you say the collapse of the dollar empire is also a fuzzy event? Yes, I did. And so it's still in the running. It's a few, what, furlongs behind, so to speak, or, you know, kind of there. It's still in the running to win the derby, but it, it doesn't look good at this point. The one that looks ahead, the horse that looks out in front, yeah, it looks like a pale horse. Next topic. Next topic, my brothers and sisters out there in hyperspace. So, I have described the current phase of military psychological warfare. I've called it more or less the last few months, and I think it's been ongoing for about a year now, a little bit, the brief intermission. And the brief intermission just means like, you know, if you go to see a play with your girlfriend and they say, well, this is a three act play, but we're going to have a break between act two and act three. And so you go out into that ante room or that, you know, whatever foyer or that little cafe zone where, where they got the overpriced champagne margaritas and they got the overpriced, you know, Gimsy IPA and you drink your sideways, you know, dirty martini with Slinky McGee and you're all chatting about how great it is and how you've gone keto and then the light comes on telling you it's time to come back into the theater. We're still in the intermission if you ask me. Act 1 and Act 2 are pretty straightforward. COVID and the Ukraine war. Act 1, Act 2. The brief intermission involves a lot of just nonsense military psychological warfare. And frankly, it involves stuff that I think is being held in the background. Like, for example, Daniel Penny. 
Daniel Penny is the former Marine that killed the homeless dude on a train. I cannot verify that any of this fucking story is true. Any more than I can verify the ISIS beheading videos from 2015. Any more than I can verify any of this crap. I cannot tell you if this is true, if it really happened. But it's beginning to look a lot like the George Floyd incident part two. And it looks like it's on a slow simmer. Like it's just on the background simmer, you know, just in case, just in case. <sighs> At this point, any signal you get is going to be a bad signal, either in terms of being useless or almost as bad of telling you when the game is over. Okay, so I, I don't know what to tell you. If the Daniel Penny thing spins up, it could be a good sign. Like, if you're asking yourself, how much time does the brief intermission last? Well, tell me if the Daniel Penny story spins up. Tell me if the BLM Antifa formed the 8th Hooker Republic of Chap Chaz Chopi of Capitol Hill, Seattle. Tell me if Rad of Chaz rises again. Tell me if all of the Stringo freaks go to 12th Avenue to block access from every emergency room in Seattle during a pandemic. Yeah. That could be good news because it means that the events they don't control are still lingering. It's still stretching itself out. Like I, I've said before, I think they're operating within a five-year probability window, a window that started in late 2019. We are now in year four. You know, we get to year five and, and what if they're wrong? That would be really good news because it means they overplayed their hand. It means their system is going to implode and it, maybe it means we have a chance at freedom again. Because just because they think something's going to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen. But the Daniel Penny incident, once again, indicates to me personally, in, in my opinion, based upon my intuition, the Daniel Penny, Penny in, incident indicates that they don't control the schedule, that they're reacting, and so they needed to spin up. Well, what, we need another petty-ass bullshit race war we can toss at people. Maybe we tell the people, you know, who are waiting for the intermission to end, well, listen, we've had problems on stage. BLM Antifa are demanding their rights from Bank of America. You know, because that's what it is. They'll get their billions. But, um, yeah, maybe they spin this thing up because whatever it is hasn't showed up yet. Whatever it is. It doesn't look like the collapse of the dollar to me at this point. But if you're asking, well, does that mean the dollar won't collapse? Listen, any scenario worse than the collapse of the dollar subsumes the collapse of the dollar, which means it's baked into the cake. It's just, it ain't going to fucking matter at that point because the orders of magnitude difference between A and B is so huge that you're just not going to be concerned about your fucking checking account. No one's going to take your money. Um, so yeah, pray. Pray for stagflation, I'd say. If you want a rational kind of prayer that maybe could happen, pray for stagflation or something, but I don't know what to tell you. Um, I was going to read this this article about how Kid Rock donated money to Daniel Penny, and I just I just don't feel like it. You can read the article, the link in the in, in the notes, and if you're obsessed with you know people strangling homeless people, then here you go. If you listen to this podcast and you like it, I am deeply concerned for you and your state of mind. 
if you listen to this podcast and you like it, or again, I make money building homes and selling homes and creating loans for homes. You don't want to listen to my podcast anyways. You're deeply invested in the Death Star, okay? It doesn't mean you're, you're doomed or damned in any Christian sense. You might still very well go to heaven, but you might end up passing through a cannibal's butthole first. I'm sorry. But if you like this podcast and you want to support it, you can. There's a link to PayPal. You click on the link. You pay as much money as you want to. You can also pay zero, okay, because a lot of people don't have money right now, and I get it. For all the printed money, ordinary people like us hadn't had very many real monies since, I don't know, January 2020, despite all the printed money. Um, I know a lot of grifters got free money, PPE, PPT, free this, free that. Speaking on behalf of the hobos of America, we didn't get shit. But that's fine. I don't give a fuck. Getting free money is commie bullshit. But you live on the Death Star. If you want to pretend your money doesn't have blood on it, then you're a fucktard too, shithead. Anyways, if you want to take some of your dirty Vader money and give it to me, I'll use it for food, water, shelter. I'll use it to pay rent. Um, right now, I'm behind on rent for last month, and I, and I, owe, I owe rent for this month, so I'm pretty much behind. And the reality is, the people I'm living with, they're not rich. They don't have tons of extra money. And we live in a time where, let's be honest, it's kind of like that meeting you're all going to go to this afternoon, you know, where your boss's boss kind of says, hey, you know, it's really exciting. And also, one in three of you is gone. So if you have the money, go ahead, but please listen to the disclaimer first. Take care of your food, your water, your shelter. Take care of the people you love and care about. There are people in your life that might very well need help more than, you know, your good friend Uncle Dan here in Scompton, Utah. So help them first. If you're stockpiling food for yourself, and frankly, no basement is big enough for what I think is coming, but if you're set aside some set aside if you're setting aside some food for yourself and for your family, Please, as I always say, think about your pets. Think about your dog, your cat. And also, right now, you are in the foyer, the ante room. You're in the back of the theater. You, you, you're hanging out, and the light's not on yet, which means it's still the brief intermission. So my advice right now is try to be happy. If there's stuff you think you really need to buy, I'd probably buy it right now. Um... And in terms of, of being able to stock up on extra food, especially when it comes to perishables, because they've been very sensitive and there's been a lot of ups and downs. But if it comes to just buying some food that you can store away, do that too if you think you need more. But I'd also just say store away some memories. Store away some life. Don't give up on life just because the world looks like it could turn to crap. The world could turn to crap any time since the beginning of time. If you're a Christian and you've actually read your Bible, how can I phrase this? The people of the Lord have faced catastrophe after catastrophe pretty much since the beginning. And yet, we're still here.
So try to find some joy. You know, try to disconnect from the crap. I don't know that I'm right. I, I just know that I'm not going to lie to you and tell you, well, my intuition tells me that A, B, and C are going to happen, and A, B, and C are more money, more hookers, more cocaine. I don't think those things are going to happen. But I also could be wrong. Maybe we have decades of hookers and cocaine. Maybe we have artificial intelligent, artificial intelligence robots that become so cheap and ubiquitous as they've been promising me my whole life of limp doc. And they're out there and they're cleaning the turds and the blood and the cum off the streets. They're giving you free hand jobs. They're out in the fields pulling all the crops together, making you a sandwich, buddy. Maybe we do have this great... Ray Kurzweil, artificial intelligence, supercomputer, robot future ahead. Maybe it's the infinite gray nothing that I've talked about. And I wrote a, book, a story about, a short story about, called Morny Dreck, almost 10 years ago. Maybe it's the infinite gray nothing. Who knows? I'm not going to tell you I know that I'm right. I'll tell you what the Lord said in terms of the Bible, in terms of Christian eschatology, in terms of Christian eschatology, I'll tell you what Jesus said, and that is, he will come as a thief in the night. Well, that's pretty clear. He's going to come quietly, and you're not going to know. So if you're thinking in terms of that part of the story, who knows? What I would tell you is that life's always been a little bit crazy and sometimes there are really great times where it's easy living and sometimes it's just not so easy to live and yet in all that you should still try to be happy you should keep the word of the lord you should respect god but you should also try to be happy if you wanted me to summarize the book of ecclesiastes i just did Respect the word of the Lord. Live a righteous life. Try to be a good person in terms of your connection to Yahweh. But at the end of the day, you should also be happy in this world. Sure, all your gold and all your hookers and cocaine and jets and cars, they're not, to, they're not going to amount to a hill of beans in the end. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't enjoy life. You should enjoy life. And you should respect the Lord. And if you can do both, and you're living a righteous life, and a happy life, then you're a blessing to yourself, your family, and your community, in all likelihood. I can't honestly say that about myself. I, I try to live a righteous life, but I sin more than I should. And I can't truly say I'm a blessing to much of anybody, except for maybe the dogs I try to walk every day. Um, who knows? But if you've done the things you need to do and taken care of the people you need to take care of and you still have coinages left over, then like I said, feel free to donate. Um, I can use the money. I am very broke and I need to pay rent and I need to pay for other things. But that doesn't mean you owe me shit. Just by listening to this podcast, you're, you're, I guess I would say you're helping and I appreciate it. Um, For Monday, June the 12th, if you can believe it, 2023, Bo Blimdok, it's just after 5.30 a.m. here in Scompton, Utah, 
The Kriggy Kriggles are waking up, the crickets are incrungulating, the birds are sprunculating, and all the mosquitoes are ready to eat me alive. We have entered the 14th wing of the 17th arc of Foreverland. The Scringo types are ready to take on the furlongs and the waves and the miles ahead. All the weird creatures of yesterday are going to bed. And the weird creatures of tomorrow are waking up. Good morning. Have a great day.